And we started last Sunday. It's going to be a long season this season because I believe it's not something that you can address really quickly and it doesn't, it, you know, God deserves more than just a cursory glance at something as important as discipleship. Because Jesus said, go and make disciples. So if, there, it, if there's something that should be at the top of our agenda and the top of our focus as a church, and that is that we make disciples, and that we are disciples, and that we are those who make disciples wherever we go. And so I don't think this is going to be just a quick five minutes. This is going to be something I believe that God wants to stir in our lives and in our hearts. And there's something so powerful about discipleship um, that strengthens your life. You know, discipleship has got a bit of a name that it's like, it's the heavy stuff. (laughs) It's the, oh, the, oh, that's the stuff you must do, you know, if you get around to it. But discipleship is our life in relationship with the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no greater life than the life of being a disciple, a follower of Christ. And so as we go through this, this first month that we're going to be thinking about this, we're talking about the first aspect of our discipleship, which is, it's going to come up on the board here, personal devotion. And that's something that you find all the way through the Bible that people are intimately stirred up about their devotion to Christ. Our devotion to Christ. The word devoted means great, deep love and affection. To be devoted absolutely devoted to something, a person, a a hobby. You can hear of some people who are devoted to their car or people are devoted to their, their hobby. People are devoted to their wife. Well, I believe our greatest devotion is our devotion to Christ. It says in Acts chapter two, and we covered this for a series last year in a very different way than we're sort of speaking about it today, but It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. From Acts chapter 2, the early church was a devoted church. Well, that doesn't just, you know, help us to understand that as a church together, we are to be devoted. But as individuals, we are devoted to Christ. But you tend to sort of, I don't know, I do anyway. Can I speak from a personal sort of, thing, perhaps I can't speak for everybody, I don't, well obviously I can't, but if you begin to get into some of the language of devotion, it can sort of alienate me a little bit, perhaps this is just me, I don't know, but when it says deep love, affection, great love, it almost sort of speaks to me about romance, And I understand that we can go to the Song of Solomon, we can go to the Psalms, we can find where it says, kiss the sun. But actually, if you read that in in its Psalm 2, I think, kiss the sun, lest he be angry with you. And it's actually coming to God about how the fact that he is a God of grace and mercy, and we need to humble ourselves. And it's actually speaking there about coming and kissing his feet. 
humbling ourselves that He can cleanse us and renew us. And aren't you thankful for God's mercy today? Aren't you thankful that He didn't treat you as your sins deserve? There was a book that came out some time ago and it's something I actually refer to quite a lot. Why Men Hate Going to Church. Why, what a great title for a book. <coughs> Excuse me. Why Men Hate Going to Church. Now, if you come to Citygate Church, you can see we got loads of mighty men. Yeah. Well, most of you missed a great opportunity to do your... your uh, let's, let's rewind. If you come to Citygate Church, you'll see we got some great mighty men in the church. Yeah. yeah. Come to last Sunday night's time, eight o'clock, we had a prayer meeting. And there were loads of mighty men in the house. Fantastic. And in the book, and I'm not saying, obviously the book isn't scripture, but it really impacted my life. And it just, why men hate going to church? And, and it's such a sad fact that over the years, for some bizarre, well, we know why actually, but it's quite obvious why, but, but it's as if men have stopped going to church and churches are filled with women. And that's a very sad thing. We're glad that churches are filled with the ladies, but I believe churches should be filled with men as well. And for some bizarre... It's as if... It's as if the gospel has begun to be seen as something that is effeminate and that it's all about holding little baby lambs <laughs> and little sheep and being really nice. And if you come to Christ, he'll take any grit out of your life, any of that rah, that the mighty lions of God have got on the inside. But I believe the opposite is true. When you come to Christ and you're devoted to Jesus, He makes you a real man and He makes you a real woman. I think that's something we need to be declaring today in a very powerful way because there's so much confusion about what it is to be a man or a woman. So much confusion, what it is to be a man. And of course, you are born as a man or as a lady, you are born, that, that is what you are born as. But being a man is not just about your physical stature. It's about your spiritual stature. Who we are in Christ and what the work of the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of us. And so today I realise that as we talk about being devoted and it's absolutely right to say we got to love Jesus. But I don't know, when I hear that, it's like, oh, I've got to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I just sort of want to back off a little bit. Just, you know, I fall in love with my wife. I fall in love, almost speaks of an emotion sort of feeling, but there's something so much more powerful than the devoted life. In the devoted life, than some emotional feeling. Are you with me today? It has to do with a quality and 
an honesty of our lives being opened to our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a part in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, doesn't often get spoken about in the church. And if it does, all they're talking about is hats and scarves. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and we're going to talk about this. Women, you've got to wear hats. Men, you take your baseball cap off in the house of God. Who do you think you are? Can I just say in our culture, it's got nothing to do with what you've got on your head. Hello? Hello? Nothing to do with what you've got physically on your head. There's a lot of men in the churches who don't have a baseball cap on, but they've got their car on their head. Or they've got their job on their head. Hello? They've got their lust on their head or their porn on their head. They're under something else. Hello? They're under something else. They're under the influence under the authority, under the covering of something else as a man. And because of that, they're not in a fit state to be a covering for their wife. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding here today. Hello. Men are only supposed to have one thing, one thing. I don't mean to... mean to refer to God as a thing, but one thing on our heads. And that is our devotion to Jesus Christ. He's there as our covering. He's there as our authority. He's there, we're submitted to him. He takes first place in our lives. Devotion to Christ. We think about him. You know, the Bible says to pray all the time, pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean to say that every second of every day we say, Heavenly Father, your will be done, King, and I'm praying about this and I'm praying. No, we got to live and breathe and work and do, and do stuff. But what it's really speaking about is that the communication we have with Almighty God is to be open 24 7 under the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. So today I want to talk about personal prayer, the place of prayer the place of prayer and I'm very aware that it's a bit like saying I'm going to talk about how to have a great great family and do it in 30 minutes I mean (laughs) ain't gonna happen it's a lifetime of a journey and it's would take weeks to preach on something like this but today I want us to get the essence and really capture something as I address the place of prayer. Last Sunday, we talked about the Word of God. The Word of God, that we believe the Word, we speak the Word, we act on the Word, the Word of God. The Word of God empowers us, the Word of God equips us, the Word of God transforms us, the Word of God, the place of God's Word. And we found out last week that God and His Word are one. But to go with Our priority of the living Word of God in our lives has got to be the place of prayer. The place of prayer. And I'm very aware that we haven't got the time or the words really to give this 
all that it needs to be given today, but I want to ignite something today. The Bible says God's word is a fire, is a sword, is a hammer. And I believe God's word wants to ignite something in our lives today. Can I hear an amen? It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, so Jesus often, Jesus himself often withdrew into the desert to, to pray. Often withdrew. Often withdrew. I love those two words together. He often did this and he withdrew into the place of prayer. One translation says into, into deserted deserted um, place or to a lonely place where he was alone to pray. I love corporate prayer. There's something happens when you pray corporately. Something happens when you lift up the roar of prayer together, when they lifted up their voice as one. But the prayer we have as a corporate church is determined by the quality of our personal place of prayer. The personal place of prayer that we withdraw to. See, the Lord Jesus Christ went from one place of prayer to another place of prayer. And in between, he released life. He healed, he set free, he spoke words to people. From one place of prayer to the next place of prayer. I heard somebody say that back in 1987. Pastor then who was really impacted by the Lord's prayer. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's, that's an incredible statement. Because how we often think about Christ is he did this and he did that. And in between he prayed. But no, he went from one place of prayer to the next place of prayer. And in between he did all the stuff. The stuff he did was the in-between that was determined by his devotion to his father. You see, this whole aspect of devotion, the place of prayer, is not just about what we do, but it's who we are. It's who we are. And that can grow, that can develop. Our faith grows, our ability to hear the Holy Spirit grows, our intimacy with the Father grows, our submission to God grows and develops. And you know, the Lord himself said this, John chapter 10, said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. The Christian life is about being led by the Spirit of God, being inspired by the Spirit of God. It's a lifestyle of prayer and intimacy where, of course, there are times of prayer, but there is a lifestyle of submission and openness to God where He's speaking to us, leading us, transforming us on a daily basis. Prayer is communication. Prayer is communication. And we know every relationship is all about communication. Sharon has to, has to correct me often. <laughs> You're not listening to me. 
we can have a whole conversation and I'm there, you know, and the lights are on, but there's nobody home. <laughs> a lot of it is because something's taken my attention on a phone or a something. There are so many things that can take our attention away. And it's as if God can speak all this stuff and we say, I'm sorry, were you talking to me? <laughs> I've had this whole conversation, the father would say. I've had this whole conversation and all you've done is watch Netflix. All you've done is just been thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow or what you did yesterday. See, God's communication is is always there. Prayer is communication. Just as our human communication matures, so does prayer. We've had three boys. They all had, you know, slightly different sort of development, you know, characteristics, but they all pretty much did the same thing. They had a first word. And I can't remember what it was, but I'm going to tell you it was dad. (laughs) The most important word, dad. Dad, 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 dad. And then they developed and mum came along. (laughs) I don't know what was first. But then it was, you know what the third word was probably? This is all hypothetical preaching exaggeration, but you know what I mean. It was probably no. Hello? No. And it, and it was because we were trying to jam some food like a choo-choo train into the... No! <laughs> and so you'd trick them, you'd do all sorts of things to try to distract them, so it's like make them laugh and jag it in. <laughs> they half choke, but you're feeding them. But they're... Language develops and it, and it goes, from, you know, goes into, I want that one. And it's all about feelings and wants and, and all that. But when they hurt themselves, it's mum. That's very immature, but it's wonderful. And then they grow up. Well, they... They tell you they're growing up. (laughs) They think they're growing up. And they start to speak from a little bit more maturity. And they can explain and they can describe and they can articulate. Whereas before, have you ever seen a child get really frustrated that they can't seem to get across what they want to say? Especially when all they've got is dad, mum, no. And they want to say something and they're trying to tell you that something hurts. And all they do is scream. And we say, tell us what the problem is. Tell us, tell us where, where is it? Whereas when you grow up, you can say, you know what? It's there. Is it like an ache? or a stabbing pain. Anybody ask that sort of, is it like an ache or a stabbing pain? And they can start to articulate what's going on in their lives. And then of course they get to adulthood and we all get to maturity and our communication is completely different. We talk about stuff. (laughs) 
whatever the stuff is we talk about. And it's, and it's how our communication matures and grows up. Well, the same is true of prayer. The important thing is that we come to God. That's the important thing. And today I want to talk about as we come to God, there are certain things that prayer does. And I'm aware we did a prayer series back in our month of praying and fasting on the Monday night. So as of today, in about half an hour's time, everyone's going to get an email with the link to the teaching from the prayer meetings that we had here earlier in the year. And I'm going to encourage everybody to go back over those those four sessions. The first one is about how we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus. We pray the word of God. We pray in faith. We pray in forgiveness. There are different things. We fast and pray. We worship and pray. I'm not going to go through those sorts of specifics today. But I want you to go back and to re-hear those. We talk about you know, prophetic prayer. We talk about warfare prayer. We talk about how to bind and loose. We talk about how to move mountains. We talk about all that sort of thing, about the how-tos of prayer. But today, I really want to talk about the fact that we come to God. As you go through the Gospels, we find times where Jesus withdrew to the place of prayer, but other times he'd be in the middle of a conversation and he'd say, oh, Father, thank you just pours out of his life. He can be in the middle of a, of a dinner, in the middle of a conversation. One time somebody came up and said, oh, you're not going to the cross. And he goes, bang, straight to the jugular, devil, get behind me. And it's like, whoa, he's not talking to Peter. He's talking in the spirit. So there's a time of prayer where nobody knows where you are or what you're doing. Nobody knows what's coming out of your heart. But there are other times when it's very public. So today I don't want to talk about all the details of prayer, but I do want to talk about coming to God. You see, Jesus prayed in great joy. He prayed under great pressure. You don't often see and find out what he prayed, but there are some very uh, alarming examples. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and His disciples, you know, just kept falling asleep. Fat lot of good they are in a time of trouble. (laughs) Come and pray with me. (sighs) Couldn't you even pray an hour? Couldn't you even pray? This is the toughest time in my life, Jesus is saying. He's sweating blood. He said, my soul is so grieved, this is almost killing me. And he means what he says. And he poured out prayer saying, yet not my will but yours be done. Let this cup pass from me. There are so many examples of his prayer life in the Gospels. Let's think about what happens when we come to God. When we come to God, well, let's let's think about where God is. Perhaps this is helpful. Well, it's absolutely right to say God is everywhere because he is. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at once. 
He is not a physical being. The Lord Jesus Christ is a physical being here, to, uh, not here today, in the, in the throne room today, and he's still a physical being. He's still in a physical body. It's a glorified body, but it is a physical body that was raised from the dead. You cannot find the bones of Jesus Christ because he still has them. <laughs> but this is the amazing thing about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, by his Spirit, he is everywhere. Yes, he has a throne room, and, and that's very clear in the Bible that there is a throne room where God is, and God is sitting on his throne. Not a lot moves God off his throne. In fact, there's one time in the Bible where it says, everything be quiet, for God is standing up. <sighs> Zechariah, I love that passage. I've preached from that and prayed from that. Be still, sickness, because God's getting up. Be quiet, world, because God is moving. The world's got to shut up when God starts to get up. Oh, it's just so powerful, so powerful, so powerful. But God is on his throne. And it's called the throne of grace. That's what it's called. That's its title, the throne of grace. When we enter his presence by the blood of Jesus Christ, we're coming into the throne room, into God's presence. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus that has declared us to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what is really important is that we understand when we pray, we're coming into the presence of God. Now we can talk and we, I talked to God, I talked to him on the car on the way, in the car on the way here. Car's a great place to pray. I can pray, I pray like that in the shops. I pray like that in my car. I pray like that in my office, my study. I pray, I pray in the Holy Ghost and I pray. But I've also got to be very aware that I'm coming right into the throne room to the throne of grace. And that I have access by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we can be so casual that we don't understand we're coming before greatness. We're coming into the presence of Almighty God and there is a protocol. And what religion has done, it said this, we come in by repentance and that is absolutely not the truth in the New Testament. You do not come into the presence of God with repentance. You come into the presence of God in righteousness with thanksgiving. We don't come in with a sin conscious. We come, we come into God's presence with a righteousness conscience. And that one thing has robbed so many Christians of the authority of God in their lives. That every time we come before God, it's like, oh God, oh God, oh God, I'm so sorry, oh God, I'm so sorry. No, it's hallelujah. Have a, <laughs> Heavenly Father, I come into your presence with a boldness and a confidence because of the blood of Jesus that has been shed. Not an arrogance and a pride, but a confidence from a humility that it's not because of my own works, it's because of the works of Jesus Christ. It will completely change the attitude in how you talk in the presence of God. You see, if a, if a child comes into a father with a conscience of I'm a failure and I'm a worm, that is going to completely change the conversation we can have. Hello? Hello? But if a child comes in and says, 
I'm loved, I'm received. It's not about what I've done. It's about what this relationship has been set up by my father. It's going to completely change the conversation, the character and the spirit of prayer that we carry. We come to God. So much I would love to say on that. There are so many Psalms and so many examples in the Bible of prayers, of songs, of of how people pray and what is pouring out of their heart. Prayer is a patchwork of experience and understanding and the Word of God and the desires that God's put on our hearts and God's will being done. It's a, it's, it's a whole communication with, hev- with our Heavenly Father who has created us and has got incredible plans for us. There are some Psalms that say, I'm really not feeling this, but I'm going to do it anyway. There are Psalms that say, come on, teach me how to fight. There are Psalms of just yielding to God. God, I just come before you again today in humility, fill my life. There are times when we're just praying and praying and praying for a situation to turn around. But the important thing today is that we're coming before the throne of grace. And what do we do? We obtain. When you come before the throne of God, you leave having obtained something. You actually get hold of something when you come into the presence of God. And the Bible says that that is grace that helps us, equips us. And it's the incredible, undeserved Um, mercy of almighty God there's a great prayer in the Old Testament and I love the prayer of Jehoshaphat when the armies are coming against him and and it's just fantastic you see him pray he declares a fast and then he just starts praying and he goes almighty God heavenly father and he starts to declare the greatness of God then he says you're my God and then he says This is our experience. And then he said, and you've talked about this experience and what you said you do when we go through this. And then he reminds the father that he's a child of Abraham and God is a friend of Abraham. And then he says, I don't know what to do, but you do, so come on. What an amazing prayer. An amazing prayer. He didn't go straight in and say, oh, we're just so unworthy. He went in and he said, you are amazing. And then he said, you're my God. Then he said, you know, you know what to do. What is prayer? Prayer is conversation with God, which has to do with relationship. Prayer is requesting God to do something. We have the words in the Bible, supplication and, you know, petition, requesting and asking God to do something. Prayer is speaking with God on behalf of somebody else, intercession. Prayer is speaking to the devil and to situations on behalf of God in the name of Jesus, which is authority and faith. So many different types of prayer, but they are all dependent on our devotion and our submission to and our coming to the throne of God, because this is not just a place of us crying out. It's us a place with God. With God. 
The Bible has got so many expressions. Pray without ceasing. If you abide in me and my words, ask whatever you want, it'll be given to you. Pray with my understanding. Pray with my spirit. Do not be anxious, but pray. When you pray, say, continue steadfastly in prayer. Be constant in prayer. When you stand praying, forgive. When you pray, do not just keep saying the same thing like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't do it for a show. He, we know that the Father hears us. And if we know He hears us, we know we have whatever we ask. Whatever you ask in my name, He will give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. When you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Let my prayer be incense before you, Father. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received. Prayer is all the way through the Word of God. It's our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Styles of prayer. There's loud prayer. There's quiet prayer. There's reverence and awe. There's authority. There's binding and loosing. There's being sensitive to others in prayer. Somebody comes up and you're like, oh, and you're like, scaring the life out of them. There's being sensitive to other people in prayer. There's being sensitive to and humble under the hand of the Holy Spirit. There's prayer where we're just speaking the word of God to ourselves. Prayer, 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 prayer. Communication with the Father. number of things that prayer produces in our lives. See, if we're going to come to the throne of grace, we're going to obtain something through prayer. So prayer is going to produce some things in our lives, in our circumstances. The first thing prayer is going to produce is a clarity of God's word being revealed into our lives. Now, this is to pick up on last week about the word of God. Solomon prayed, give me a hearing heart. Prayer is not just us speaking to God, it's God speaking to us. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, Therefore, after I heard of your faith, the Apostle Paul saying, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my Prayers. So this is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. What's he praying? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the intimate knowledge of Christ. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, the Amplified there says, the eyes of your heart being flooded with light. that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the glorious wealth of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion every name that is named 
not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So in this first point today, as we come to the throne of grace and we're open with communication with God and because so many people struggle in their prayer life. I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Well, why don't you come to God and pray something like this? Thank you, Father, that I have a hearing heart. Father God, I thank you today that you've given me eyes to see and ears to hear, that you've got a plan for my life. Lord, reveal your word in me. Speak to me. Lord, that I would hear your voice. Isn't that a great way to come to the throne of grace? Isn't that a great way to come and to obtain something from God? You see, when you hear the voice of God, you're unshakable. It's not just opening the Bible, reading a verse. It's like saying, God, come on, speak to me. Reveal your word on the inside. Lord, the eyes of my understanding be enlightened in Jesus' mighty name. As we pray and come to the throne of grace, it gives us a clarity on what God is saying to us. The more we come to the throne of grace, the clearer we will hear the voice of God. Second thing that as we come to the throne of grace, what does prayer produce? Prayer will produce a, a purity in our lives. Now, we don't come to God dependent on who we are and the pure lives that we live. But I can tell you this, when we're spending time in the presence of God, it will purify our lives. It says in 1 John chapter 1, it says, This is the word that we've heard from Him and we declare to you that God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him but we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad that in the presence of God, there's cleansing? Oh, now I don't come to God in guilt. I come to God based on who He is and what He's done for me. But when I come to the throne of grace, another example of prayer is thank you, Father, for the new and living way that you have made by the blood. That, Father, you've stretched forth the scepter of your righteousness to me. And I don't stand here on my own works, but I stand here by faith in the name and in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this great salvation. And Father, right now in your presence, is there anything you want to speak to me about? Is there anything you want to enlighten me about? Is there anything that you want to adjust, transform? Holy Spirit, is there anything here you want to convict me of? Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, because he'll tell you something right there and then. He'll start talking. But that's not the time to get into a pity party. Hello? See, repentance is so easy, and yet it demands everything. Thank you, Father, for showing that to me in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I refuse to allow sin to dominate my life. And right now, I repent of that. 
I declare it, leave in Jesus' name. Father God, put your word in me that I might live right before you. And Father, thank you God for transformation here, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you Lord, your blood cleanses me that I am not ashamed. Devil, take your hands off of my life. You will not in any way criticize or accuse my life. From this day forwards, I am free. Boom. People carrying around guilt and shame when it can be dealt with in the presence of God in prayer in a moment. See, that's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Getting anything out of this today? I hope so. As we come to God today, what else happens as we come to the throne of grace? Transformation happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we come to the Father, we come in with thanksgiving and praise. We declare who He is. We declare His greatness. We thank, you, we thank Him for revealing His Word. We lay ourselves open before God. We put our works under the blood. We declare our mind and our words are under the blood. But He can also bring transformation. Thank you, Father, that I'm right here in Your presence and by Your Spirit. You are transforming my life from glory to glory in Jesus' Name. That I do not walk in the flesh, but I walk in the Spirit. Thank You, Spirit of God, for filling me afresh. For turning up the glory in my life. To be a carrier of the glory of God. Father God, I humble myself under Your mighty hand. Transform me in Jesus' Name. I mean, in all these things, you can have a conversation with God, but I'm just saying how we can come to God. Heaven forbid our prayer life is ever a flipping shopping list. (laughs) We're coming to the throne of Almighty God to be with Him. Not just leave Him a piece of paper. Hello? Hello? Prayer life. What else happens when we come to the throne of grace? Wisdom, strategy, how to make decisions. All happens in the throne, in the throne of God. God's perspective, Luke chapter 6. One of those days, Jesus went out on the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called his disciples to him. He chose 12 of them who he declared to be apostles. He prayed, he decided, he declared. Where do you make your decisions? Where do you make your decisions in a crisis? In the heat of the moment? Or do you take time out to make a decision in the throne room? We're people of decisions to make decisions. We don't make decisions because of based on what's around us, what's in the bank, what the doctor says, what's going on politically. Those are not where we make our decisions. 
We make our decisions before the very throne of grace. We withdrew, we withdraw into a place with God. (sighs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know everything. You know everything. You know my coming in, you know my going out. You can see tomorrow. I can't see tomorrow. You know what needs to happen, what needs to turn around. You know who needs to be in place. You know who I need to employ. You know who I need to marry. Don't let your hormones make your marriage decisions. Now, make sure hormones are involved. Make your decisions in the throne room. Make your decisions in the will of God, not just in peer pressure or financial pressure. You know the end from the beginning. You can see what needs to happen. Now, Lord, I've got this decision to make. I've got this choice or that choice. Do I do this? What do you think about that, Father? What do you think? Is there peace on this? Is there there authority in this? Is there compromise in this? Is there fear in this? What about this one, Father? Is this this your will? Is Is this the one? See, the Bible says, be still. And no, hold up the decisions you have to make before the Spirit of God in the throne room. Come to God. Next one is what happens as we come to the throne room. We build ourselves up. Can-do attitude. One Samuel 30 verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Wanted to kill him. It says, because the soul of the people was so grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't just say, you got it, boy. You can do it, boy. You're a champion. I can guarantee you this, because I know the life of David. He stood in the presence of God. He may have still been on the floor, but he went to the throne. See, somebody can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Somebody else can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We believe in the power of declaration. We're a word church. You can give it any title you want. Word of faith, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You can call it whatever you want. But there is a power in the spoken word of Almighty God. But can I just say, make sure you're speaking from your throne room experience. Amen. From your throne room experience. By his wounds, I was healed. Healed man. See, you can build yourself up. In fact, you are the only one that can build you up. 
What are you going to do when there's no one there to encourage you? We live in such a society where every swipe of a phone is, you're awesome, you're great. And we believe it. No, we don't believe it from a phone. We believe it from a throne in Jesus' mighty name. Standing in the presence of God. See, this is why we need men who know how to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ because we don't just want to build ego, some man thing. We want to build our devotion with God so we know who we are. Ladies, so you can have a confidence in who you are in Christ, no matter what people say about you or what experience you've had to build ourselves up. Father, I thank you. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you I'm a born again child of God. You've declared me to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Thank you, God, that right now, everything I put my hand to is gonna prosper in Jesus' mighty name. I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed coming out. See, in, in the throne room is where this comes from. The place of prayer today as we close the, what else does the place of prayer, the throne room of God, it, it, it will prepare our life ahead of time. That we're prepared whatever we go into, we're already prayed up. We're already there, we're already, it's not like emergency prayer. When the strong man comes and tries to take your house, that's not the time to go to the gym. It's not the time. We go to the gym, so when the strong man comes in, we're like Arnie, Arnie Schwarzenegger. We can take him out because we've been to the gym, spiritually speaking. Spent time in the Word, so when the decision comes and we do have to make a decision in a crisis and we haven't even got the time to go and pray all night, the Word of God's there. The will of God is there. The, the mind of Christ is there. And finally, as we close, in the place of prayer, we can obtain. This is all stuff we obtain in the presence of God as we are with Him. We can obtain the breakthroughs, the harvest, and the incredible, powerful, um, a miracle power of Almighty God released in us and through our lives. James 5.17, probably one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. For the effective, fervent, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or, or lady makes tremendous power available, dynamic, explosive in its working. place of prayer it's prayer that works in experience it's it's effective it's fervent it's heartfelt it's a lifestyle it's not just a a time of course we all need times of prayer please go back and listen to the teaching on prayer today was not about oh you know 
We pray on our face before God. We pray with arms raised up. We pray loud, we pray quiet. We pray in tears, we pray with a roar coming out of our... I mean, prayer is so varied. Don't get stuck in one style of prayer because of a personality. Angry people, oh, know how to take authority. No, you're just in the flesh being angry. (laughs) Humble, insecure, you know, weak, timid people. Oh Lord, I just give my life to you. I'm just a worm. No, you're just in the flesh of your personal way you think about yourself. Hello. We're talking about spirit in the throne of grace. But today, let's be coming to the throne of grace in Jesus' mighty name. Let's all stand to our feet today. I hope you got something out of that. And the place of prayer, the place of of prayer, Jesus often withdrew. Often withdrew to the place of prayer. This is a month on personal devotion. And I began today by saying it's not about just what we do, but it's who we are. People of prayer. And you know what we need right now is we need the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. I know I do. The world wants to squash this out. The devil wants to accuse this out and distract this out of our lives. But the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into the place of prayer. Because the place of prayer... um, obviously the place of power it's obviously the place of transformation it's the place one one pastor one preacher I've listened to for 35 years prayer is the foundation for every Christian endeavor prayer talking to God talking with God Talking on behalf of God. Talking to ourselves. One of the first things that's really important in prayer is that we break the sound barrier. Get away from this prayer is thinking thing. Prayer is speaking out loud first and foremost. Come on, let's lift our hands to God today. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to to continue to do a work in us. We're passionate and hungry for the Word of God. and Lord, we're passionate and hungry for this place of prayer, the throne room, the throne room, the throne of grace. Lord, in our flesh, we are weak. We don't know how to pray. We can't pray. We're too tired, too distracted, too stressed, too worried, too anxious. All that stuff, Lord, is in the flesh, but thank you, God, we are spirit. So right now, Lord God, we stand in your throne room by faith, by the blood. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you pray with us, through us, for us, empower us to be people of prayer, of communication with our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. 
Thank you, Lord, for teaching us to pray. Lord, whatever maturity of prayer we are, Lord, we're all your children, all your sons and your daughters. Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you.